G'day, g'day, g'day. Welcome to episode number 15 of the Average Man podcast. Um, this episode is a redo of a, a, a recording I did this morning that didn't save properly. So um, I lost about 45, 50 minutes worth of recording this morning and I thought, um, got my mate here coming around for a beer this evening. So I'd redo it and go over it again and um, hit up some of the UFC uh, conversation and shit like that with... Old mate Rick here, so I've got Rick sitting next to me. G'day, g'day. Rick, also known as Uncle Rick, Slick Rick, and in some circles they like to call him Big Dick Rick. Oi, I haven't heard that one before, but maybe I can get it started for him. <clears throat> so I'll quickly do my shout-outs to the lads from Sharpton Spearfishing, Luke and Zam. Um, as you know, they're a local spearfishing crew in town. Check them out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for their videos, photos, and you can get their merchandise through their um, websites as well. Uh, also, I'd like to shout out to Captured by Carlos, local photographer who we've had on the podcast here for an interview. Um, he likes to take photos here around the Pilbara. Has also done a lot of international travel. He's recently been back from a um, multiple country uh, European tour where he took a bunch of awesome photos. You can check him out on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube as well. That's Captured by Carlos. And check out the um, episode we did an interview with him maybe three or four weeks ago. I also like to shout out the Two Way Hire Services. That's the Perth-based um, Two Way Hire Servicing Company uh, for all your Two Way Radio communication needs. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Also, and as always, PCC Productions, the audiovisual specialists up here in the Pilbara. Um, Brad likes to uh, he hires out equipment to um, artists uh, who are coming through town. He also has a recording studio in uh, uh, Wedgefield. They hooked up the uh, equipment and sound desk and booked all the acts for Northwest Fest. Um, they did Marble Bar, Marble Bar Cup. Um, the Hoodoo Gurus who were in town recently. So basically whenever you see an event around town and all the equipment set up and, and the sound desk and all that sort of stuff, they're hiring stuff off PCC Productions and those guys have their their finger in all those pies and they're responsible for a lot of musicians and acts and, and artists coming through Headland and not bypassing us on the, on the road because it's too expensive to get gear up here. So big shout out to those boys keeping us entertained in town. Now <clears throat> that's all the bull crap out the side, um, uh, to the side. I just wanted to quickly go over um, last week's uh, grand finals that we that we had. So hey, Rick here is an yeah, AFL man, boy. which is good. Good to get that side in because I'm always just talking about the NRL and UFC. But we did go over the AFL a little bit. So uh, you're an Eagles man. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. How'd you go? It was a good game, very good game. It was a good game, actually, nice and tight. Hey, look. Um, we gave them um, probably too much of a head start, but we, you know, every quarter we come back, so it was good. They were nice kind of. close game. Yeah, good close what you, game, what man. What do you want for a grand final? I, I remember uh, maybe two or three years ago now, I think it was the Cowboys versus Broncos NRL grand final. And I can't remember who was in the, the AFL grand final that year, but it was the opposite way around. Like, the AFL was just. It was just crap. They just one team flogged the other. It was over by half time. You know, yeah. everyone loses interest. And then we had this nail biter of a grand final that went to Golden Point and shit. And everyone was talking about how good the, the NRL grand final was that year. And it's a bit the other way around this time. Like that AFL grand final turned into a nail biter in the end there. Yeah, NRL was a blowout. Yeah, a bit of a blowout. It was kind of all over by. It wasn't all over by the second half, but the the but the storm were kind of never in it. They they let the um. The Roosters get away in that first half, but like they just play. They just shit the bed, man. Like sometimes someone rocks up and just shits the bed. And well, when you got that many teams fighting for that that final game, it's you know you, you want to make it a close one. You do, you do, man. And it was disappointing because best of the best. So. It's, it is the best of the best, and that's what was disappointing because I, I feel like the two best teams did make it in. Like sometimes you get a team that just happens to to win the right game in finals and, and get through. Right. Yeah. yeah, but this was the two best teams. They had been top of the ladder all year. They were one and two, you know, and they made it through. And then Storm just didn't show up in the first half. They kind of <clears throat> pulled it together back in in the second half, but the Roosters were still playing good. It's like the Roosters played a flawless game. So even though the Storm shit the bed in the first half, they played good in the second half, but yeah. the Roosters were still too good to, to, to let them yeah. get those points back. Still playing that little bit better. Yeah, well, they just, just had to defend about. their lead, you know. Yeah. So they managed to do that. It was pretty disappointing. And it was... um. You know Billy Slater. 
Yeah. Yeah, everyone knows yeah. Slater, so it was, it was his last game. I thought game. it was a bit rough. There's a lot of people booing him. Like, That's he's done gonna, a lot for that game. That's what I was going to bring up, man. He, he was getting booed, like, well, like, interviewing him after the game about retirement and shit. And it's like, yeah, and everyone was booing him. It's like, your team's just won, you know? Like, you guys have won. Doesn't matter what it, what he did. What, what do they call that tackle that he... Shoulder charge. The shoulder charge. So we went into, yeah, there was the controversy about the, the shoulder charge, but... One, it was. It, uh, I mentioned it last week as well on the podcast that it it wasn't like a malicious, like head-on, dangerous tackle. He did lead technically. He led with the shoulder. It was a shoulder charge. Yeah. But for a bloke of that caliber with that kind of career, playing his last game in a grand final, yeah. and it wasn't a, a malicious head-on shoulder tackle. Like you wouldn't want to see him miss it. That's almost what he's going to be remembered for is that grand final and being booed the whole time. Oh. It's, it's not very fair on him, I don't think. But uh, yeah, for someone that's been so respectful for their whole career, exactly as well, man, right. and he's the best fullback to ever do it. Like he's yeah. a fucking he's a legend. He deserved more respect than that. And I from a team believe. that's just won, like you know, I could see if they were, if they were, you know, butt hurt because their roosters had lost, and they're like, ah, oh, Slater shouldn't have played, yada yada yada, but. He got off, he played, and you guys flogged him anyway, so who cares? And it was, it was because it caused a death or something, wasn't it? From a shoulder charge? Uh, no. Nah. That's why they're coming. No, nah, that was the spear tackles, like you know, they, when they lift them up and your head goes, you know, and they come down on your neck, your head goes above, they say if your feet go above your head, it's a dangerous tackle. So a dude got, <clears throat> um, maybe five, what I mean, five, six years ago, something, a dude got his neck broken in one of those tackles. Yeah. Actually, they're playing against the storm. <laughs> but um, but the shoulder charge was just more concussions. Yeah. Dudes just getting hit front on, big hip and shoulders, and guys are getting bigger and faster and more powerful. Mm. So you go to tackle someone, they lead in with the shoulder, and just dudes are getting knocked out, wiped out. So that's why they they cut the shoulder charge out, which is fair enough. But it wasn't even like that. He came on the sideways, so it kind of hit him at the same. They were both going the same direction, and just shoulder him over the sideline to save a try. It wasn't like a big head on shoulder shoulder charge type of deal. So. And how do they differ like a shoulder charge from a normal? You've got to lead with your arms. Lead with your so arms. if you you come in at the last minute, you got to lead. You got to throw your arms out so you're actively making a tackle. Yeah. Lead with the shoulder. You can't do that. You can't lead with. You have to lead with the arms. And same with when they're when you come in for a t- to tackle a player on the ground. So if they're going for a try or something, you can't lead with the knees because some dudes will just run in and throw their knees into the ribs and, and, and break dudes' ribs and shit. So and I mean, yeah. <clears throat> if you're a Roosters fan. You wouldn't want to have won the grand final knowing that Billy Slater had been exactly benched with right. you and then people exactly going, ah, right. oh, if we'd have had Slater, it would have been different. Like, you yeah. had the best Melbourne Storm team we could field yep. and you and you's beat us. And, and also, um, Cooper Cronk is their, um, the halfback for Roosters and he was our halfback for and he forever. he played with until, broken ribs or yeah, something? Is that... Well, so they knew he had a torn rotor cuff. He tore it in the semi-finals the week before. Yeah. yeah, and they were saying he's going to he's touch and go whether he's going to play or not. And my whole thing was that um, they said he was going to start. They had him on the bench, starting off off the bench. And I kind of said, well, I'm not sure if I 100% believe he's going to start off the bench, or if it's just a bit of a tactic. Like if he if he's injured and there's reason to believe he wouldn't start, you'd tell the other team he's not starting, wouldn't you? Just to fuck with their preparation a little bit yeah. because he's such a pivotal yeah. role in the game. And it turns out that's probably what they're doing because he did start. He played, I think he played 70 minutes. You know, he came off in the last 10. And then after the game, it came out. It wasn't just a torn rotary cuff he played with, but a, a fractured scapula. Like so, he had a broken, broken um, scapula, basically shoulder blade, and a torn rotary cuff. Played seventy minutes. Fucking pretty, pretty tough, man. He didn't make any runs or any tackles, but he, um, he a few kicks of the ball and, and some passes. It was mainly just like basically because he's got that. Uh, He's one of the masterminds of the game. He's yeah, basically he's coaching got on the, the field. Smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was saying, he's basically an on-field coach, you know. So he definitely had a big, big, big role to play in it. And balls to him, man, playing with a torn rotocuff and fractured scapula like that. You know, you got yeah. dudes going to be targeting you, and mm. they sort of did. So yeah, <clears throat> that was probably the two main stories of the game. But apart from that, well done to the to the Eagles, mate. He's, it's good to well, see West Coast get that's one. That's a lot like uh, West Coast McGovern too. He was in hospital for two days before that. They managed to keep that pretty quiet. But was he? He had something wrong with his, I don't know, I think it was his ribs or something like that. Oh, but really? That's never fun. <laughs> I think he had um, internal bleeding, so oh, he managed shit. to get out for the for the grand final and have a cracker. So. Oh, because as a player, man, like, there'd be nothing worse than, like, you see dudes like Nick Nui and shit who are on the sideline watching mm. the win, and you're like, fuck, like, my team, yeah. they did all the work to get there. 
and I got to sit here on the side. You kind of wouldn't feel like it was yours. Like. We had a couple of big players out, so one more would have really crumbled us. Like considering how close the how game tight was, how the contest was, yeah. It was. Yeah, he yeah, plays yeah. a massive role in that West Coast team, so. Yeah right. So this is why I need someone who knows a bit about AFL on here, yeah. mate. Because uh, I I try and um, keep keep uh, things up to date with AFL and, and shit as well, but I don't know what I'm talking about, mate. So <laughs> all the inside knowledge. No, it was a good a good weekend of sport, man. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, who who was the who was the opening act for the AFL this year? The band. I think I was still asleep to be honest with oh, you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've had conversation with with my my old boy in recent years about like some of the pre game entertainment's just been rubbish. Like you got you lads had meatloaf there one year. I know Jimmy Barnes has been utilised a lot. He's not rubbish, but mm. he's old school. He's not relevant anymore. We've always been saying, like, you need to have local Australian, like, up-and-coming rock bands playing. Like, that's... you got to have maybe, the right... Maybe it was Barnsley again, I think. Was it? Oh, no. Nah, it's been around no, a bit. Barnsley. I don't know. I can't remember. But, um... Well, the the NRL had Gang of Youths this year, you know? And, like, they're exactly that. They're a young, up-and-coming Australian rock band who are making a good name. Like, the, it's the right band for the right demographic, man. Like, I've, I've seen where they've... They've had like pop artists, dudes who won like between the NRL and the AFL, both of them. They're both guilty of it. Dudes who are like won the Australian Idol or some shit. Like it, it, it's not, it's not what you want. You want rock bands. You want to might as well make them Australian because you've got plenty of talent here and make them like make them current, like Birds of Tokyo or you know, the Gang Gang of Youth, something like that. You know, or even a, a, a hip hop like group like you know Bliss Nessa or, or um, Hilltop Hoods or something like that. But don't get. We don't need to get American artists for Australian sport, yeah. and we don't need to get over-the-hill artists either, man. Absolutely. So, I don't know, as well, I didn't watch the opening ceremony for, for AFL. I don't know who they had playing, but the NRL did no, it this year anyway. Well, to be honest with you. All right. Well, um, we're going to hit up some conversation about the UFC tomorrow, um, which is good because I'm going to do a little bit of a different take on it. It's not going to be a full breakdown as such um, because by the time people listen to this the fight will have already taken place more than likely so it's going to be just a bit of a bit of speculation back and forth from both sides and explaining the the drama of the whole fight and the whole that whole weight division in general really and the characters involved just so even if you listen to it after the fight's been said and done um, it's still it still should be interesting to get that insight from both sides of who these guys are, where they came from, what was at stake, uh, what is at stake, and just where the whole um, landscape of this of this weight division is. So, um, is there anything else I need to cover before we get into that? Yeah, I think quickly I'll just say that uh, I got hold of uh, David Eckhart from the um, Spirit FM, as I said I was going to this week, and we've got um, something booked in for not this week, the week after, I'll be going on to Spirit FM one morning to have a, a, a quick yarn and, and, and um, promote the podcast. So when I know a date, when I know a day, I'll say it on next week's um, episode and I'll put it up on social media, on Facebook and Instagram as well. So anyone around town who wants to listen to me fumble over my words on radio can jump on and then fucking roast me for it later. And then it's hopefully we get promoting, mate. Get it out there. That's it, man. That's all about. That's it. I like to put myself in uncomfortable situations anyway. It makes life a bit more interesting. That's what we're doing right now, getting Rick yeah. in an un- uncomfortable position. Yeah, thanks, mate. So, we've got this big fight tomorrow, UFC 229, Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. you say that last name? I would not like to repeat that. No. <laughs> Nurmagomedov, I'm getting pretty good at saying these Dagestani last names. There's a whole crew of them sort of in the UFC at the moment. They're kind of taking over. I think there's a few of them in boxing as well, because so they're kind of taking over the fight game. Dagestan, um, these so these Russian Eastern Bloc type of characters, like they're just they're kind of they're a different kind of white people, you know, <laughs> like they're Starting not to dominate the field. Or they what? are man, like they're hard people. They have like a combat background. A lot of them do sambo co- combat, um, uh, wrestling. They're good. They're good at. They've you know, got some great boxers coming from that part of the world as as well. So there's just something about the way they train over there and, and the way they're brought up that makes good fighters. It's kind of probably one of the only viable um, options for them to make decent money and bust out of there as well. Like, you know, Russia, you know, kind of not really known for their... Um, on tough times at the moment. Well, yeah, self-imposed tough times. I don't think they're really known for their um, 
innovation and the plethora of different fucking options for people to, to make good money, you know. So athletes and, and is is one one um, avenue for them. And there's a bunch of good uh, MMA fighters coming out of there. <coughs> but I, I thought I'd break down quickly for everyone the 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 stage, as I said, of this drama. Yeah, Monty's hanging around here, getting hassled out by Rick in the background. You can hear some some shenanigans going on there. But I'll break down the um the landscape of who I consider to be, and I think most people consider to be the three best lightweights on the planet, and why these fights important, and why everyone's so excited about it. So there's three lightweights who all have a legitimate claim to being the best lightweight on the planet even though right now Khabib Nurmagomedov has the belt. Those men are Conor McGregor, Khabib Nurmagomedov, and Tony Ferguson. Um, <clears throat> Tony Ferguson and Khabib have been scheduled to fight each other, I think, four times. So, And Khabib's fighting on the undercard tomorrow as well, so he's, he'll, he'll be there doing his thing. Yeah. Um, they've been scheduled to fight each other four times. Everyone <coughs> wants to see him. Khabib is this grappling phenom out of Dagestan, 26-0, who's undefeated, which is sort of unheard of at this. Like You get 26-0, 30-0, 40-0, whatever, boxes, because they set boxes up. The way the, It's just the way that it works over there. Like They have their amateur career. If they look like a promising boxer in, uh, in amateur boxing, then you get with the right promoter. They'll set you up and they'll give you opponents that you can beat to rack up your numbers because yeah. no one will fight you in, yeah. in boxing until you've got a, a good record behind you yeah, and marketable. Yeah, it's all about the record. Yeah, so they'll yeah. feed you 20 or 30 guys. <clears throat> Depends what weight you are. If you're a low, low weight, it might feed you 20 or 30 guys. If you're a high weight, it might only need 15 or 20. They'll feed you these guys you can beat so you get a good record behind you and you need that O next to your name. Yeah. Once you're already an established fighter and you've already got some belts, you can stand to have one or two losses if they're against top com uh, competitors. But if boxers get three or four losses, they're pretty much... They're pretty much done. No one wants to see him anymore. Yeah, it's not the same in, in, in MMA because one, there's no, um, they call them cans, tomato cans. I don't know why they call it that if it's not a legitimate opponent. But there's no easy fights. <clears throat> there's no setups. It's just the, the the best two guys at the time. You know, got, I've got to fight each other, man. And there's so many ways to lose. You can get submitted. You can get. Well, that's um, exactly right. Like how much luck comes into. Does luck come into it, or is it is it more strategy? <coughs> Luck's always involved in anything, but it's more about making your own luck, getting yourself in the right position, making yeah. sure you you've trained enough to be able to yeah to get yourself into the right position. That, that luck always comes into a Becoming little bit. Becoming better than your opponent at a certain part of yeah, and also just li literally, and, and I mean literally in the right position, like physically. Um, you know, one slip and you get hit with those little, they wear four ounce gloves that just covers your knuckles. You get hit with those by the right guy and you're going to sleep. When you're in boxing, you've got big gloves that cover your whole face. You can really hide behind the gloves, you know, and you can take a bit, a better punch off them as well. But you can lose from knockout by punch, head kick. You can, lo you can um, lose by, uh, <coughs> obviously, ground and pound, submission on the ground. There's just a hot knee to the head, elbow to the head, so many different ways to win. So to get to 26-0 at the highest level is really, really unheard of. So Khabib's a monster. Um, he's been scheduled to fight Tony Ferguson four times, and just one or the other keeps dropping out. There's been like someone gets a knee injury, someone misses weight. I think there's been a couple of knee injuries involved. The most recent one was earlier in this earlier on this year. They were going to fight for the vacant title, so Conor McGregor won the title in... 2005, uh, in 2016, yeah. fought Floyd Mayweather last year, and they stripped him of that title, of that belt, so they could keep the division rolling. These two guys, the next two guys in line, they were going to fight each other for the belt. Like four days out or three days out or something, at a, a media scrum for the for the event, Tony Ferguson is tripped over some electrical cables and busted, blew his knee out, like blew the ligament off the bone, completely destroyed his knee. So they had to find a uh, an opponent for Khabib at the last minute. They didn't want to drop is that, the whole Did event. that actually happen, or is this like... That happened. Yeah. Yeah, that one actually happened. And they had to find someone to fight him, because it was such... Uh, at last minute, like, he'd made weight and all that. They, they just needed someone to... We hadn't made weight yet, actually, but there were a couple of days out. They needed someone to fill the spot to keep the, the fight alive. So they offered it to a bunch of different dudes. Certain people couldn't make the weight. The commissions wouldn't... Um, wouldn't... Uh, Schedule the fight with a couple of the other guys who they tried to get 
in there and they ended up going down the line until they found another fighter on that card who was a lightweight who they put in to fight Khabib for the belt. And he's a tough dude, Alaa Quinta, but he's not, he wasn't ranked in the top 10. So yeah. there's a bit of an asterisk next to that lightweight belt that Khabib's got at the moment. Yeah, he is one of the best lightweights in the world, but he beat an unranked opponent on short notice to get the belt. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so Khabib went out and flogged him, obviously. It was a decent fight. He beat him unanimous decision over five rounds, but the guy put up a good fight. He is a tough guy. Yeah. He's a he's a, a, a sort of a um, high level MMA fighter, but he's just not ranked yet, you know. So um, he should have beat the guy, and he did beat him. So you can say, well, if you're Conor McGregor, you can say they stripped that belt off me, and you beat someone who's ranked eleven to get it. You're not the real champion. Yeah. And in, in any other case, I kind of you kind of would agree and go, yeah, yeah, he's a paper champion. But because of the guys he's beat and and that twenty six and zero record he's got, he still is legit. It's just that I don't know that belt's questionable. Tony Ferguson had the interim belt so they were going to um, when someone's out for a certain period of time they'll fight for an interim belt and then if a champion comes back the interim belt will fight for the undisputed belt you know right, yeah. so Tony Ferguson had that interim belt when they were going to fight he was going to fight Khabib for the real belt and that's when he blew his knee out so he's had a belt but again he didn't beat um, I think he was supposed to fight Khabib the first time, but he got the interim belt, and Khabib missed weight, so he had to fight someone else. Similar situation, he fought someone who was ranked like seven or eight or something like that. So neither of these guys have beat the top competitors to get that belt. Only Connor has. Um, so there's this big sort of three-way love triangle or hate triangle going on between <laughs> these three dudes. Who's the best lightweight in the world? It's Tony very Ferguson. confusing. It, it is confusing for, for someone that doesn't know what's going on. It, it's quite. There's a lot of moving a lot parts, man. Yeah. That's why I wanted to break this all down for people. Um, Tony Ferguson, he's an all-rounder. He wrestles. He's got fucking phenomenal jiu-jitsu, and he's a really good creative stand-up fighter. He's on a 10-fight win streak, so he's beat just the who's who of the names in the lightweight division. He's beat everybody that they've put in front of him. He's 100% legit. Everyone's really excited to see him fight either of these guys, but... He you know, keeps blowing knees out and shit like that at the critical moment. Khabib, as I've said, has just destroyed everybody he's fought. Um, he hasn't even lost a round in his entire MMA career. So not only has he not, not, not lost a fight, he's not lost a round. Like when he gets hold of people... Do you think that's going to change tomorrow? Or? I think he'll lose a round. I think, he's, I, I, I think definitely. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. We won't get into that just yet. Not yet. I'll just finish laying out the... the um, the, the field first well, or I'm going to lose myself trying to explain it all so Khabib when he gets hold of people he ragdolls and makes them look like they're fucking amateurs and he's not a doesn't look like a big guy but he trains with um, Daniel Cormier who's the light heavyweight and heavyweight champion and it's an Olympic wrestler trains another bloke Luke Rockhold who's a big guy he's a light heavyweight and a, and a phenomenal grappler and Cain Velasquez who's a former UFC heavyweight champion and a wrestler he trains with big lads and they're all wrestlers like heavy grappling base and he goes and they say he gives them all that, that they can handle he's a lightweight he, yeah. he fights at 155 <coughs> they fight at you know 200 plus and he gives them all that they can handle so he's, he's obviously strong as fuck there's obviously phenomenal grappling there um, and he just ragdolls and any time he gets hold of an opponent man, he, he's throwing dudes up in the air he, just, he pins them down holds their wrists with one hand just smashes them and elbows them in the face with the other hand just <laughs> complete, like he, he when he got his first title shot that he ended up dropping out of he got this guy on the floor was sitting on top of him smashing him sitting on guy's arms smashing him looking over at Dana White going you give me you give me title shot why do I have to do this why do I have to do this why do you make me do this and smashing this guy and this poor dude's underneath him getting pounded while he's talking to the boss telling him to give him a title shot like this That's is the kind of dude game, he is man it is a brutal game and then we've got Conor McGregor um and while I'm while Conor I hit, McGregor Conor McGregor it, uh, it's Conor isn't it Conor calling Colin Colin <laughs> it's, not, it's not a very Irish name Colin McGregor oh, maybe it is an Irish name that's how much I know about fighting, but... Connor, Connor McGregor. Moving right along. Well, I'll give you a timeline on McGregor so we can get the full picture on, on him. So, he came into the UFC in about 2013 with a bit of hype behind him. He'd been sort of wrecking dudes on the some of the local scenes, circuits, some of the smaller circuits. He came in and just started KOing dudes, like knocking people out and talking a whole bunch of shit. Skinny little Irish dude at the time. He knocked out Diego Brandau, knocked out um, Dustin Poirier. He went to a decision with Max Holloway, who's the current, this is at Featherweight when he first came, so a weight 
um, weight below. He, he went distance and beat Max Holloway, who's the current featherweight champion, and they considered one of the best featherweights of all time. McGregor uh, beat him in by decision. Knocked out Dustin Poirier. Knocked out Chad Mendes for an interim belt. And then he got the fight against Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo is, is sort of widely considered the best featherweight of all time. This dude um, was undefeated for 10 years when Conor fought him. And um, they did this big press tour, went around the whole world. This is when Conor started making his name because they have gone from country to country doing press conferences. And, you know, he's there saying all this wild, crazy shit, stealing dude's belt, like all this sound bites. If you, you look up any highlights of Conor McGregor shit-talking on YouTube, you'll see him um, undoubtedly doing this press tour with, with Aldo, just clowning on him and saying crazy shit and screaming in the man's face and doing all this wild <laughs> stuff. That's where he really started to make a name for himself. <clears throat> and um, Aldo broke his foot and dropped out of the first fight. That's why he fought Chad Mendes for the interim title. Knocked Chad out, who's a wrestler. Knocked Chad out in the second round. And then they did the whole big um, press tour again for the fight with Aldo. And then this time they met each other in the octagon. I was in Bali at the time. It was in December of 2015. And he's coming in against this guy who's this Muay Thai. Just savage, like I said. Hasn't lost for 10 years. This Brazilian killer. Everyone's like... Jose was just wrecking everybody in front of him, man. Considered one of the best, the best flyweight of all, featherweight of all time. They get in there, Connor's been clowning him, getting him psyched up for all this, you know, for fucking months and months and months. You know, it was nearly a year um, with the two fights that were scheduled all up. He'd been fucking with this guy by the time they got into the cage. And when you step into the cage, after all the clowning and all the bullshit, Connor walks in just fucking cool as a cucumber. Like, it's, <laughs> it's all gone. He just comes in so calm and Aldo's like just bottled up rage, just like, I want to kill this guy. The bell goes. He's a very cocky man, isn't he? He is, and it's all it's all mind games, you know. It is, oh, well, it's good. selling himself, and it's mind games, you yeah. know. So he walks in cool as Aldo comes out, flying out the gate, charges at him, attacks him. The first punch McGregor throws, which is a counter strike, knocks Aldo out unconscious. Boom, like cold in thirteen seconds, man. It's the fastest knockout in UFC um, title fight history ever. And just clipped him cold, give him one big hammer fist on the ground for a measure. But old, old mate was out cold, man, stone cold. And just the stands just erupted. I was, I remember I was at uh, the Wife Sports Bar in Bali, and just everyone <laughs> went crazy, you know. And it was, a star was born, mate. From there on, then um, in 2016, that's when he had his first loss against um, Nate Diaz. We had, I was telling you about that earlier. So yep. he was he was coming up. Stepping up a weight for the, the lightweight title, he wanted to be the first ever um, fighter to hold two belts consecutively. Some fighters have held a belt in two different weight classes, but like they've held that belt, then lost it, and then changed yeah, weight classes. The and then went, yeah, yep. not at the same time. So he wanted to be the first fighter to ever hold two belts consecutively. And Rafael Dos Anjos was the champ at the time. He, kind of what happened, I think he broke his foot, he dropped out of the fight right before it was supposed to happen, two two weeks out. So Nate Diaz stepped in. They needed a big name to fill the spot. And they said, you know, <clears throat> who's going to fight him on short notice? Nate Diaz said, I don't give a fuck. I'll fight him because the Diaz brothers will fight anyone. But he couldn't make weight. So they said, well, we can have Nate Diaz fight. It's got to be at welterweight. And Greg said, I don't care. I'll fight him at any weight. So they come in at welterweight. Um... McGregor starts lighting him up for the first round and a half, but he can't put him away because Diaz has just got this chin on him. You know, the Diaz brothers don't get knocked out. They just, they, you know, they've got heads like mongrels. They just can't <laughs> put him away. He ate all the shots. McGregor yeah, sort such of thing as a glass jaw with them boys. That's it, man. And and I think McGregor was a bit like, oh no, I don't know. I hit him with the kitchen sink and he's not going away. And he kind of gassed out. Diaz hit him with a good shot and then it went to the ground and he ended up submitting him. So that was his first loss in the UFC and. Um, was, everyone was kind of waiting to see how he'd react to it, and he took it like a like a champ, mate. He went to the press conference afterwards, you know, didn't do the the whole Ronda Rousey and put her head into a pillowcase and jump on the next <laughs> flight home. He stood there for twenty minutes and answered all the questions and made no excuses and just said he beat me tonight, blah blah blah. Copped it on the chin. Copped it on the chin, <clears throat> and so then rallied should. for that second fight with him. I wanted it. Wanted the second fight straight away. They wanted to give him the lightweight shots, and now I want to. I want to redeem that loss. I want to redeem it at welterweight, not at lightweight. That's how, that's where I lost the fight. So they teed it up, went back in, had the rematch with Diaz, and got him in a unanimous decision at welterweight. So that was sort of erasing that one loss on his record. And then jumps uh, after that, 
jumps into the um, fight with Eddie Alvarez for the for the lightweight belt. So in that time where he's rematching Diaz, the lightweight um, belt holder came back from injury, fought Eddie Alvarez, and lost to Eddie Alvarez. He's the new lightweight champ. And Eddie Alvarez has been around the block, man. He's been a Bellator champ. He's been a strike force champ. He's been around the game for years. Like, he's a real deal, legit. Fucking hard as, hard as nails. And they jump into the octagon together, and fucking McGregor just lights him up for two rounds, well, for a round and a half. Just just picks him apart, punches him wherever he wants, and then just knocks him out in the second round. Like, makes him look like child's play, man. Just destroyed him. Gets the fucking, gets the second belt. And that's where you might have seen the snippets of him with that, that speech he did in the afterwards in the octagon, in the octagon saying, oh, you know, I've, I've caused a lot of shit in this game. I've caused fights backstage. I've, you know, I've disrespected a lot of different people. And he's going, where's my second belt? They didn't have the second belt ready for him. He's going, where's that second belt of mine? <laughs> and, then, and as they're going off, shuffling off to go find a second belt for him, he's sitting there going, I've done a lot of shit backstage. I just want to take this opportunity to apologise. And just as they've said that, they've come with the second belt, put it around his waist, and he goes, to absolutely no one! <laughs> the double champ wants, does what the fuck he wants. And there's that brashness comes out in him again. It's just like a picture, um, you know, like one of those snapshot moments of just quintessential McGregor. And that's yes, that's what's happened when he, he became the first two-weight champ um, in the UFC. Then obviously 2017, he went away and boxed Floyd Mayweather, and which was just weird, like a, a UFC fighter boxing a... Uh, um, one of the greatest boxers of all time, and that was just all money, money, money. Do you think Conor McGregor maybe loses fans by talking so much crap? Or well, it splits people down yeah. the middle. So a lot of people hate him for because it. In, in boxing, we got Anthony Mundane. A yep. lot of people hate him for the crap that he talks. Yeah. You know, and like a lot of people want him to lose, and that's why they watch his fights. Yeah, it so just gets people like more into it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so whether they love you or hate you, they'll watch you. If they love mm. you, they'll watch you because they want to watch you fight. And if they hate you, they'll, they'll watch, watch you because they want to watch you knock, get knocked out. Yeah. So it's it's smart, you know. And people, a lot of people hate McGregor, and I get it. I, like, if you look at it from him as an actual person, like, if you knew someone who acted like that, it's like, you couldn't be around him. <laughs> but I just look at it as... as um, Entertainment. He's an entertainer. He's yeah, made a hundred million dollars in this fight with Floyd Mayweather because of doing shit like that. Like, basically, I just look at it. You're an actor. You know, mm-hmm. it's got to be. It's got to be your personality. It can't be fake. But you're turning it up to to twenty. You yeah. know, you normally hover around seven or eight. You turn yourself up to twenty for for the camera. Use all that brashness to get eyes on you to make. Money to become a multi, uh, uh, to become a crossover superstar that he is. So when he finishes um, mixed martial arts, which is a short window to make money, he's set for life. He's got a whiskey brand now, which is I'll go into that. Yeah, in a minute. I, I did see a bit of that interview. Well, his whiskey company is sponsor is co-promoting this fight that he's in. So yeah. he's a co-promoter of this fight, which is how because they couldn't pay him enough money what he's made from that boxing match. Yeah. They're paying him like $3 million is what he's getting paid, his flat rate for the UFC. Then he'll get a pay-per-view cut. Um, and now, so they're like making a deal with him. How can we get you some more money? Like they can't just pay it to him straight off the top. So he's co-promoting it. So his company will now get a massive cut of the promotion, which is where he's going to make another 10 or $20 million off that. So he's, got, he's, he's, got, he's done what he had to do Um to sell himself and I just look at it as an entertainer mate the guy's an entertainer and he goes in there and backs it up with his fists so yeah, people hate him yeah that's fair enough I get it but at the same time I just look at it, it, it he makes me laugh when I watch him I, I watch fighting because I want to be entertained yeah so <clears throat> it entertains me I like it I think it's funny mate it keeps me keeps me watching keeps me wondering what he's going to do next so he goes and has that boxing match with Floyd Mayweather and did pretty good considering you know he's not a boxer <laughs> it went 10 rounds with him greatest defensive boxer of all time one of the greatest of all time um, all round <clears throat> and then comes back to the start of the year and throws the the, the removalist trolley through the bus window so <laughs> you saw a little bit about that what do you know about that oh, I've just seen the interview and I you know he mentioned something about throwing a trolley through a window and an old um, Kabib is shitting himself here. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, holding <laughs> me on the girls or something. I do believe he said. Yeah. So, like. um, Kabib, who's as I've said, is Dagestani and one of um, 
Uh, Connor's main training partners, Artem Lobov, is a, a, a Russian as well. And there was a UFC fight card in that part of the world. And that, and um, McGregor's training partner and Khabib were in the same hotel. And for some reason, Khabib had a problem with Artem, with McGregor's training partner. And they him and his boys circled him in the halls at the hotel. It's all on camera. And they like had a word to him, could be give him a little slap on the face and shit like that, and they kind of just sort of terrorised him a bit, you know? <laughs> Connor has found out about that happening, and then at the press conference for Khabib's last fight, McGregor and his boys have jumped on a plane from Ireland, flown over to New York, and, and accosted the bus with all the fighters on it when they were leaving the press conference, and Khabib and all the other fighters were on the bus, and he's come down, just flipped his switch and started going crazy and throwing <laughs> shit at the, <laughs> the bus and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I think what happened was he was supposed to crash the press conference. He was supposed to come in there, all the cameras on, and run in and make a big scene and promotion, and everyone would get in the way and break it up and all that. But he missed the press conference, and they were all on the bus. So I guess he was like, well, I've got to do something. Yeah, well, cameras was, are there. He was sort of making a point where he he doesn't actually need, he doesn't want the money for the fight. He just actually wants, you know, he, does, he doesn't need the, the cameras and the supporters there. Like, he just wanted to... He's there for the competition. Yeah, Yeah. just to see if he can beat him sort of thing. Yeah, well, he's in it for the... I I believe he is in in this fight for the competition and for his legacy because he doesn't need... He could have come back and taken an easier fight, could have taken a super fight against somebody else, a a real big uh, um, guaranteed payday, but I think he he is concerned about his legacy as well. He got here, sure, he loves money and he made a lot of money and he wants to get paid, but... He only got this far and beat the people he's beat because of his competitive spirit. Like, he's an animal. Yeah. He wants to win. Oh, absolutely. It was what people forget that. People think he's just a clown because of all the other shit. But he, this man's knocked he's, everybody out. Yeah, you're not going to get there without knowing how to fight. He's, yeah, and, and being hungry. He's clearly a good fighter, but he's a very, very cocky fighter. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is why a lot of people hate him. Yeah, people hate him and people love him. It's why, uh, yeah, it's why he, he captures no, people. Yeah, there's no in-between. Uh-uh. You love him or you hate him. Pretty much, yeah. No one's like, Conor McGregor, ah, yeah. He's all right. not really interested in but him, though. He's either <laughs> a cocky prick or, yeah, no, you love him. Yep, and then he's uh, the Irish. The Irish love him, which mm. is one of the reasons he's such a well, superstar. Of course they're going to. I'm sure if we had a fight a lot that in Australia, we'd love him too. Well, <clears throat> we, I mean, we've got a champion now, and we're not behind him the same way the Irish are. I think there's just something about their culture as well, like they... They really get behind fighters, so do the Brazilians. The Brazilians really get passionate, get behind their fighters. When there's a Brazilian champion, like they, they are all in for him, 100%. You know, like um, the Canadians are a little bit like that too, with George St. Pierre and, and the Irish are like that. I just don't think there's a lot of superstars coming out of Ireland. There's a few musicians, maybe a yeah. couple of movie stars, not too many sports stars. There might be a couple of soccer players that I don't really know about. They're not superstars though. Like they've got a guy, a guy like this is our guy. So like, the whole country gets behind him. We, we've got a guy, so it's kind of that that mentality. You know, same with Australia. We've got a bunch of shit going on, and we're kind of a little bit too laid back anyway. Like, we don't get crazy. No. The Irish just flood wherever we fight. They just flood the place, and they all start singing. You hear them chanting in the crowd and shit like that. <laughs> they just love it, mate. Chance to get drunk. Into it. That's it. <clears throat> so. There's all this shit going on. That's a lot of the drama going on with um, Connor, and I just wanted to run through through that list there, just because I, I think people can forget that he is a legit fighter, and he's beat the likes of Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier, Chad Mendes, um, Jose Aldo, Eddie, Eddie Alvarez, Nate Diaz. You know, he's he's beat the who's who of, of people in, in the divisions that he's fought in. So, um, and he's come back. This is he's been out of the octagon for 26 months. That's something to consider but he did compete in that time he, he fought boxing but it is different but he has competed but he Who's hasn't that? been in the octagon yeah well it was 2016 yeah. oh really fight. so he hasn't been in the octagon for Shit, 26 months yeah so that's something to consider as well and then Khabib Khabib is um, 26 and 0 as we've mentioned several times he's beat Gleason Tebow Tiago Alvarez Abel Trujillo Pat Healy Rafael Dos Anjos, who's an ex-champion. Uh, Edson Barboza, who's a phenomenal um, stand-up Muay Thai fighter. And Michael Johnson, so, and Ally Quinta. So he's beat some tough dudes, but doesn't have the same resume as, as McGregor, which is what um, certain people have been saying. They're saying, yeah, he's 26-0, but the names don't match up when you look at the guys McGregor's beaten. So that's, that's fair enough as well. That's something to consider. 
also. But um, I'm, I'm feeling an upset. I, th- I think. Um, well, he's the, Khabib's the favourite. Oh, is he? He's the favourite in oh, this right. one. It's it's weird because they just go off betting lines, so that just depends on who's putting their money on who. So it's not not necessarily what the experts are calling; it's just what the people are saying, and that line could change by tomorrow. But at the moment, as of so far, um, Khabib is the they're pretty close, but Khabib's been the favourite. He's yeah. been active. He's twenty six and zero. People know that Conor McGregor can gas out sometimes, and he's a stand up fighter. So you know this could be his Achilles heel. So. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It probably still would be an upset if he won, anyways, because of the magnitude of Conor McGregor. But I don't. I just quickly breeze over Tony Ferguson as well because I left him out of this this um, little this picture I've set up here. So he's um, on a ten fight win streak. He's also beat the who's who um, in the in the division. He he can do it all: wrestle, grapple, stand up. Very unconventional. Um, he's 100% legit, and he has a claim to being the best lightweight in the world as well, just like the other two guys do. So we really don't know until this whole all the dust settles and these guys all fight each other, or at least Khabib and Connor fight each other, and then we're not sure what if if Connor wins, he may well just go fight GSP for a super fight and then and be done with the whole debacle. If Khabib fights, I don't know. I'd say I dare say he would fight Tony next, but either way. Tony gets a title shot within the next 12 months and gets his chance to stake his claim as the best lightweight in the world. So, Well, in that interview, was Connor not saying that he's come out of retirement for this fight? Like, you were saying that it's been that long since he'd been in the, in the octagon? Yeah. What, he, did he say he was retired? Or no, so Connor has ne- he never said he was retired. Yeah. People just speculated. He's just saying that in the interview, saying, oh, I'm... I come out of retirement just to fight you, just to show people that I can beat you. But he wasn't actually retired. No, he was never. He was never, never retired. People were speculated that he wouldn't fight again, just because of how much money he's made. Like he doesn't need to fight again. So people yeah. were like, "Is he yeah. going to come back and do this? He's going to go through grueling, you know, eight week training camps and, and cutting weight when you start sailing around the world on yachts and sleeping in silk sheets. It's like hard to, <laughs> to draw yourself back into that world. But I think why would yeah? Well, that's why the competitor in him. I, I think know. that. Yeah, I think that this competition the sparked the fire. And, yeah. That's right, yeah. And good on him for it. Yeah, and, and, and you got to think, like, yeah, he does <clears throat> at this stage hate Khabib, and he's got this little backstory why he hates him, and he's attacking his family and saying all this shit about his manager and just getting really deep and personal where he's, where he's trying to cut him. But that's all just fuel. If you convince yourself you hate someone, it can give you some fuel to train harder and be more, more motivated for the fight, so... Yeah, they. I, I think a lot of time in these promotions, they tell themselves they hate these people and, and create a story that they then believe that gets them fired up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's not like it's fake, but it's something they've created um, specifically to get themselves motivated. Yeah. So I think that's what this is with with Khabib. Um, so that's the three main guys in that in that lightweight title fight, and we get to see Tony Ferguson fight Anthony Pettis as well on the undercard. Anthony Pettis is a former champion. Uh, former lightweight champion and also a real um, phenomenal kind of striker so that'll be a real good fight that, that co-main event too we get to see two really good guys on their feet go at it and um, another high level lightweight title fight uh, I'll break down the pros and cons for each fighter and then we'll pretty much be done with it so let's see how long we've been going for on there um, Kabim so Khabib, um, as I've mentioned, has the combat sambo background. Sambo is like what's, what's sambo? So it's like Russian grappling uh, martial arts that they do. It's got strikes in it as well. So, oh, it's, yeah. so it's a different style of. It's different to wrestling. wrestling yeah. yeah. So there's wrestling. There's freestyle wrestling, Greco wrestling, um, a couple of different styles of wrestling as well, uh, and then there's sambo is the grappling that. That was invented in Russia, and they do, you know, in in um, in Russia they call it combat sambo. They kind of they do some striking as well. So it's a good precursor to MMA because they're used to the problem that you get sometimes with just wrestlers is that, uh, or, or jujitsu um, fighters is that you're really good at that one discipline, but you need to be able to set it up when there's strikes involved. So if you yeah. just want to run at someone and just dive at their legs like, the, and they're not, and you're not. Uh, taking into account the striking, like you can just get kneed in the head. Yeah, or if you're in yeah. jiu-jitsu and you're just trying board. to attack someone's leg, they just punch you in the, in the side of the head or elbow you unconscious. So 
having um, combat sambo where they're already used to setting things up with strikes and stuff, grappling is the main part of it, but they have to be aware of strikes. It's a good precursor for, for them to come over to MMA, which is why a lot of them are doing so well <coughs> in MMA. Um, he's got really good top pressure, man. So as I was saying to you before, he gets on top of guys and, and they just... It's one of those things where when you when you don't know what you're looking at, it's hard to see what he's doing, but the commentators do a good job of talking through what's happening and you see him in a few different fights and you see what's going on, you see the, the, the um, consistencies in his in his game. Like he gets on top of people, he traps their wrists and their hands and has really hot they, they just can't move once he's on top of them, he suffocates people and he's constantly pu- punching you. A lot of wrestlers get on top of guys and just hold them down. Yeah. Just you know, they win rounds because they just had top control or whatever and you've been on the bottom for half the round. But he gets on top of you and just smashes you, just keeps punching you, hitting you, elbowing you. He's, just, he's real relentless, doesn't give you a second to breathe. Um, he trains with those bigger dudes, DC, Luke Hold and Kane, who, who, I, who I mentioned earlier. Um, and he's just always going to come forward, mate. He just comes forward, forward, forward. You know, He's just always on you. He gives you no space, no room to breathe. He's just going to have relentless takedown attempts. Just keep taking, um, shooting for takedowns, and when he gets on top, he's just gonna, he's just gonna smash. Yeah. So, he, do not let him get on top of you. Don't let him get a hold of you. <laughs> don't even let him grab you. You know. So, and if you do, make sure it's at the latter part of the round, so you can get your shots off earlier. Or just be ready to tap out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go to yeah. the pub for a beer. Like so, it. So, um, he's is. Weaknesses would definitely be his striking. Like he can account for himself well enough. He's fought, you know, multiple times in the UFC now, but he's not an elite striker. He's very like straightforward, rigid. Doesn't have a whole lot of head movement. Doesn't have knockout punches and stuff like that. So he's not a dynamic striker. Coming up against Conor McGregor, who is a dynamic striker. He's got superior movement. No one moves like Conor McGregor, so you can't even get uh, a training partner to mimic him. You know, like he he moves. There's only one person that moves like Conor McGregor. He's got really good counter-striking, so if you're coming in with those elementary, just straight punches, trying to set things up, he's really good at timing those and clipping you with his deadly left hand on the on the striking. Um, he's got speed and timing over uh, Khabib. His speed, he's got a, a massive speed advantage, and he's got that brilliant timing uh, and accuracy. He knows where to put his hands, and he's got that left-hand knockout power, so he touches you in the right place with that left hand, you're going to sleep pretty much, mm. you know. So, yeah, his Achilles heel would probably be the grappling and his cardio. We've seen him get tired, especially in grappling matches as well. So what, what's Khabib got to do to beat Connor? Khabib's got to get him down. He's got to close the distance. So but how's he going to get close enough without getting belted in the, in the jaw with that left hook? So that's going to be the big or question. They, guys from his camp <clears throat> seem to think that, they've been sh- uh, that, that he'll be shooting from far out. So... There's, there's different distances in um, in fights. Who's got the reach? Uh, I think they're pretty similar. K- Khabib's naturally a larger man. He cuts a lot of weight to get down to, to lightweight, and McGregor has come up from a lower weight division, so he's the bigger man, but their reach is, is fairly similar, even though Connor's a fairly long kind of guy. But So there's your different distances in, in MMA. You've got... Um, Obviously, grappling distance is right in close, or if you've got someone up against the fence, or you're in close, you've got hold of them. That's Khabib's range where he wants to be. You've got striking distance, which is sort of uh, in that range where you can hit them with your punches. You can still get in close enough to get hold of grapple as well, but you're kind of in the in the sweet spot for, for boxing. And then you've got your kicking distance. So, obviously, another couple of paces out from, from just normal striking distance where yeah. you can't punch each other. You can't tip, typically... Um, grapple with each other, but you can still kick. You know, with a, you know the right movement, you can kick people from from that distance, which is where Connor wants to be. Connor's got really good kicks, um, and as well, if you so move you into striking, Connor's going to come out with his feet early on, so he can't be grabbed. Or what? the problem is, what kind of kicks you throw? Because because a guy like Khabib can catch your kicks. You throw too many kicks, they can catch them, and that's an opening for a takedown. Right, yeah. So Connor wants to be counter-striking. So he wants to be at kicking distance, which means he can use little teep kicks and stuff. The not kicks that aren't gonna, um, they're not gonna knock you out, do damage, but they keep you off. Over time, it's or they do like a teep kick, like that front one that comes through straight to your chest. That's like a distancing kick. So you, and they they do hurt, and that keeps people away from you. Connor yeah. wants to be in that distance. So when you come in, 
that's when, and you come into striking distance, that's when he can hit you with counter-strike. So you come in, throw on a left and a right, and as soon as you're in the right position, bang, he can counter-strike you. Yeah. So that's Connor's plan, to stay on the outside, move, keep moving. He's got to keep moving. He can't stand still for, you know, for too long at all because uh, Khabib will just come for him and try and grab him. He needs to keep moving. And when Khabib comes in for either to set up with strikes or throw his shots, he's got to clip him with big shots to slow him down. Don't rely on knocking him out. You've got to think this guy's got a head like a fucking... Got a big solid Russian head on him, mate. You gotta just don't don't do the whole Nate Diaz thing where you think you're gonna hit him and knock him out. Assume you're not gonna knock him out, but just hit him good enough to slow him down and keep him off you, score points on him. That's what Connor's gotta do. And if you do hurt him enough, then you look for that big knockout punch. Khabib's gonna shoot from far out, so he's gotta be in that kicking distance and he's gotta do big power double legs where he shoots. It, it kinda looks messy and scrappy, but that's what he's gotta do. He can't he can't try and Plot his way in with with little simple strikes to get close to get where he really likes to be to grab your upper body and 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 take you for, uh, against the fence or big slams. He's got to shoot from far out and just and just get a hold of Connor and then take him down. And it might take him. If you're Connor fan, you're hoping that takes him half a round at least to do. And Connor can land good strikes in the meantime and, and get some points and maybe wobble him a bit and rock him. And then um, typically what what. I'd see happening is that Connor kept him off striking with him for a while eventually Khabib gets his, his opening gets in grabs hold of him puts him on the ground smashes him as much as he can Connor's got to do what he can to mitigate the bottom the damage from the bottom and be constantly trying to get to the fence and get back up it depends how much time are we on the feet how much time are we on the ground how many rounds are you calling I've got money on a I've got money on a, <laughs> on a knockout <laughs> But I've also got money on um, Connor winning over the five rounds because there's good odds on it. People don't yeah. seem to think it's going to... People, A lot of people think that Connor's got to knock him out early on the first or second round if he's going to win. They think if it goes to the third, fourth and fifth, it's going to be Khabib just taking him down and smashing him. I actually have a bit of a different view. Um, and this is a shout-out to, to, to um, Brent, Brendan Shaw give me this insight into it, think, saying that um, I actually think it goes... Five rounds, and we see a bit of a back and fight, a back and forth fight here. I think that, just as we're saying, I think Connor gets his strikes off in the first part of the of the rounds, and and then Connor ta- and then Khabib takes him down in the second part of the rounds and does damage there. So it comes down to who has more time in their um, who has more time in their wheelhouse. Yeah, and that's what it's going to come down to. Absolutely. So I think I've talked shit for long enough. Held your hostage with that. Um, appreciate the time, Rick. I got my I got my money on on um, Connor. I'm gonna say Connor. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go um, Khabib just for something. Khabib, different. and you go on decision. Or I'm gonna go. No, I'm gonna go decision. Decision. Yeah, I'm gonna go go the whole hog. All right. Well, I'm going Connor. I'm going Connor. And even though I said that could go, it could go to decision like that. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go Connor with a third round KO. Third round? Yeah. Not that's it. We've got to happen. find out tomorrow. <laughs> the big dance. We shall see. Big dance. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, always, for all your time. Um, go onto the Facebook page, Instagram page, and, and, and leave any comments and, and everything on the Facebook page for me, anything you want to hear, what you think uh, you like, what you don't like. Um, and yeah appreciate the support appreciate everybody for listening and um, until next week Average Man Podcast episode 15 over and out